the pulp today. My drink is almost empty, which is a terrible crime. Mm. Now it's empty. But before I refill, let's talk about double indemnity. Uh, you're probably familiar with the movie. That's what most people remember. The paperback assumes that you're familiar with the movie. Very nice Eddie G. Robinson and uh, Fred McMurray there. The Barbara Stanwyck kind of tells me that uh, you were in danger of getting sued if you used Barbara Stanwyck on a book cover. The book cover, oddly enough, references the movie Nowhere, except in the uh, images of the characters. Uh, this paperback's from 1950. It is falling apart in my hands. I like the movie. It's a good movie. The uh, As Kane goes, it has the same basic idea as uh, Postman, which is it's a narrative being told to you by a man who has been doomed by a crime he's committed, and he's not, not proud of committing it, and he's not entirely sure why it happened to him, or how he let it happen to him, or how he got messed up in it. I'm going to read the first chapter, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about the ending, which is very different from the movie. Double Indemnity. My favorite thing about this opening, which made me laugh the first time I read it, is all the references to, you've heard this story before in the tabloids, and him pushing back against the tabloid narrative that he imagines you've heard in a version of this story. I drove out to Glendale to put three new truck drivers on a brewery company bond, and then I remembered this renewal over in Hollywoodland. I decided to run over there. That was how I came to this house of death that you've been reading about in the papers. It didn't look like a house of death when I saw it. It was just a Spanish house, like all the rest of them in California, with white walls, red tile roof, and a patio off to one side. It was built cockeyed. The garage was under the house, the first floor was over that, and the rest of it was spilled up the hill any way they could get it in. You climbed stone steps to the front door, so I parked the car and went up there. Servant poked her head out. Is Mr. Nerdlinger in? I don't know, sir. Who wants to see him? Mr. Huff. And what's the business? Personal? Getting in is the tough part of my job, and you don't tip what you came for till you get where it counts. I'm sorry, sir, but they won't let me ask anybody in unless they say what they want. It was one of those spots you get in. If I said some more about personal, I would be making a mystery out of it, and that's bad. If I said what I really wanted, I would be laying myself open for what every insurance agent dreads, that she would come back and say, not in. If I said I would wait, I would be making myself look small, and that's never helped a sale yet. To move this stuff, you got to get in. Once you're in, they've got to listen to you, and you can pretty near rate an agent by how quick he gets to the family sofa with his hat on one side of him and his dope sheets on the other. I'd see. I told Mr. Nerdlinger I would drop in, but never mind. I'll see if I can make in some other time. It was true, in a way. On this automobile stuff, you always make it a point that you'll give a reminder on renewal, but I hadn't seen him in a year. I made it sound like an old friend, though, and an old friend that wasn't any too pleased at the welcome he got. It worked. She got a worried look on her face. Well, come in, please. If I had just used that juice trying to keep out, that might have gotten me somewhere. Pitch my hat on the sofa. They've made a lot out of that living room, especially those blood-red drapes. All I saw was a living room like every other living room in California. 
maybe a little more expensive than some, but nothing that any department store wouldn't deliver on one truck, lay out in the morning, and have the credit okay ready by the same afternoon. The furniture was Spanish, the kind that looks pretty and sits stiff. The rug was one of those 12 by 15s that would have been Mexican except it was made in Oakland, California. The blood red drapes were there, but they didn't mean anything. All these Spanish houses have red velvet drapes that run up on iron spears and generally some red velvet wall tapestries to go with them. This was right out of the same can, with a coat of arms tapestry over the fireplace and a castle tapestry over the sofa. The other two sides of the room were windows and the entrance to the hall. Yes, a woman was standing there. I had never seen her before. She was maybe thirty-one or two, with a sweet face, light blue eyes, and dusty blonde hair. She was small and had on a suit of blue house pajamas. She had a washed-out look. I wanted to see Mr. Nerdlinger. Mr. Nerdlinger is in just now, but I am Mrs. Nerdlinger. Is there something I could do? There was nothing but to spill it. Why, no, I think not, Mrs. Nerdlinger. Thanks just the same. Huff is my name, Walter Huff, of the General Fidelity of California. Mr. Nerdlinger's automobile coverage runs out in a week or two, and I promised to give him a reminder on it, so I thought I'd drop by, but I certainly didn't mean to bother you about it. Coverage? Insurance. I just took a chance coming up here in the daytime, but I happened to be in the neighborhood, so I thought it wouldn't hurt. When do you think it would be a good time to see Mr. Nerdlinger? Could he give me a few minutes right after dinner, do you think, or would that cut into his evening? What kind of insurance has he been carrying? I ought to know, but I don't keep track. I guess none of us keep track until something happens. Just the usual line, collision, fire, and theft, and public liability. Oh, yes, of course. It's only a routine matter, but he ought to attend to it in time, so he'll be protected. It really isn't up to me, but I know he's been thinking about the automobile club. Their insurance, I mean. Is he a member? No, he's not. He's always intended to join, but somehow he never got round to it. But the club representative was here, and he mentioned insurance. Oh, you can't do better than the automobile club. They're prompt, liberal in their view of claims, and courteous straight down the line. I've not got a word to say against them. That's one thing you learn. Never knock the other guy's stuff. And then it's cheaper. For members. I thought only members could get it. What I mean is this. If a man's going to join the automobile club anyway, for service and time of trouble, taking care of tickets, things like that, then he takes their insurance, too. He gets it cheaper. He certainly does. But if he's going to join the club just to get the insurance, by the time he adds on that $16 membership fee to the premium rate, he's paying more. Figure that in, I can still save Mr. Nerdlinger quite a little bit of money. She talked along, and there was nothing I could do but go along with it. But you sell as many people as I do. You don't go by what they say. You feel it, how the deal is going. And after a while, I knew this woman didn't care anything about the automobile club. Maybe the husband did, but she didn't. There was something else, and this was nothing but a stall. I figured it would be some kind of proposition to split the commission, maybe so she could get a ten-spot out of it without the husband knowing. There's plenty of that going on. And I was just wondering what I would say to her. A reputable agent doesn't get mixed up in stuff like that, but she was walking around the room and I saw something I hadn't noticed before. Under those blue pajamas was shaped to set a man nuts, and how good I was going to sound when I started explaining the high ethics of the insurance business I didn't exactly know. But all of a sudden she looked at me, and I felt a chill creep straight up my back and into the roots of my hair. Do you handle accident insurance? Maybe that doesn't mean to you what it meant to me. Well, in the first place, accident insurance is sold, not bought. You get calls for other kinds, for fire, burglary, even for life. 
but never for accident. That stuff moves when agents move it. And it sounds funny to be asked about it. In the second place, when there's dirty work going on, accident is the first thing they think of. Dollar for dollar paid down, there's a bigger face coverage on accident than any other kind. And it's the one kind of insurance that can be taken out without the insured knowing a thing about it. No physical examination for accident. On that, all they want is the money. And there's many a man walking around today that's worth more to his loved ones dead than alive, only he doesn't know it yet. We handle all kinds of insurance. Why does Mrs. Nerdlinger want insurance on her husband? Well, we all know why. That's the uh, opening couple of pages of Double Indemnity, introducing us to Walter Huff. I believe in the movie they found Huff a little nail on the head, so they changed it to Neff. And I don't know that that description fits Barbara Stanwyck terribly well, but it, again, the movie works just fine. The ending of the movie has nothing on the batshit fatalism of the book. And on that note alone, I totally recommend reading the book. It's very short. It's a very quick and entertaining read. And as you may have just gotten a preview of, you learn more about the insurance business in the 1930s than maybe you needed or wanted to know. Till next time, and till I get my glass refilled, have a good one. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.